they're going to find this half a quarter window where they're just going to look really good and put up some points. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and we have Nick with us today. How are we doing, Nick, on this fabulous morning? A little soggy, a lot of rain coming in, but ready to look at week three to see how we can do and how we could possibly fare better in our challenge. What do you have going on, Nathan? Absolutely. We got it's it's forecasted 100% chance of rain. All day today recording this podcast, so we hope our picks for this coming week will be 100% correct as well as we forecast that. So this past week, I think we both maybe didn't do as well as we, we uh, wanted to. As I as I said in my in the previous episode, week one in the NFL, I nailed it, went five for five, did so well. Um, I know you did well too. Uh, week two was a little bit of a struggle. We're kind of starting to learn some what some of these NFL teams especially are. Kind of starting to show us you know, who they are. And week one can kind of be a little, can fool us a bit. And I think in a couple places you and I were maybe fooled once or twice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when the season's still young, even though an NFL team you have an idea of what they could be or a thought process because usually roster turnovers or a major thing like college, it's still, there's plenty of to uncover and unpackage with each team, no matter what you think you know about them. Absolutely. And so I, you know, every, every week what I do, I have, you know, I have my fancy analytical algorithm that I look at to help me predict these games. And, you know, I'm still doing very well, you know, even regardless of a little bit of a setback last week overall. Um, but I think what I did wrong, Nick, I, I relied too much on this uh, on the analytics from week one, um, as compared to maybe last year in the preseason. Um, so that that's kind of where I where I stumbled. So too much emphasis on week one to predict week two. I took that a step back, um, kind of recalibrated it, and I'm geared up and ready for week three. And I'm really really confident in the picks I got this coming week. Awesome. Let's go ahead and. Let's break into those, and then we'll jump in towards the end. Some topics, some things, some trends we're seeing in the NFL. We'll start off with our Saturday night college football game. It's West Virginia versus number four, Oklahoma. What are you seeing with this game, Nathan? Yeah, typically you you look at this game and you're like, oh, Oklahoma, even like a West Virginia high-scoring, you know, outscoring opponents. But um, when both of these teams went up against opponents that were – you know, somewhat decent and not from a mid-major school. They both, you know, scored in about the mid-20, low to mid-20s. Um, I, I think both of these 
Um, both of these offenses maybe aren't as good historically as they, they, they typically are. And I think both defenses maybe are, are a little better than what they typically are. So with that being said, I'm going to pick the under in this game, which is a shocker to do for an Oklahoma game. But uh, the under is out of it's out of 56. I think this is this is a game that they're going to be in the low 20s. And I imagine like a 24-21 game, maybe 27-21 game. Um, so expect this to be a to, to be low scoring. And and I'm do I'm picking the under. What what do, you, what do you have for Saturday night? Similar thought process. Honestly, I neither team has been wowing offensively. They've been putting up some points, but it's been by very close margin. Has been playing someone that's a recognizable name, I should say. In West Virginia, all their games have been very close, razor thin. I don't think West Virginia wins, but the spread right now is at sixteen and a half. I don't think Oklahoma go beats the spread. I think the score will be within that. So Oklahoma wins the game, but I would go with West Virginia's spread just because I don't think the point margin is going to be 16.5 or greater. Yeah, very good point. They've been playing close games against, uh, you know, reasonable competition. So uh, I think that's a very good pick there. So now let's jump to uh, our Sunday games in the NFL. So who do you got your pick against the spread this Sunday? My pick against the spread is not the team that will win, but the point margin again. It's the Washington football team against the Buffalo Bills. I'm going to go with Washington because I don't think Ron Rivera is going to let this game get over nine points. I think it's going to be within nine points. I think it's going to be something like a 28-24 type of game. Yeah, I think it's a really good pick. Um, I'm actually going with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, who actually are over two so far against the spread, so... But they get to play a uh, a familiar foe in the Chargers, so I think that always helps. Um, and and Los Angeles Chargers, you know, they're one and one, but they they they've been really shooting themselves in the foot lately. They their turnover margin is not very good. They they have one of the most penalized teams in the league. And you're gonna go to Kansas City in that stadium. If you don't got that figure out now, it's only going to get worse and probably the loudest stadium in the NFL. So I just see a Chargers team that makes a lot of mistakes. I see a, a Chargers team that um, with penalties and turnovers, Kansas City knowing, gosh, they, they let that one slip away from them against Baltimore. They're going to come out with a little bit more firepower. So I don't think Kansas City, you know, their 20-0 ambitions obviously are no longer a thing. So now they can get back to reality, and I think they come back strong and and handle the Los Angeles Chargers. And I got them covering the 6.5 points. So let's go to our over-under game for the for Sunday. Which game do you have winning the over-under? For my over-and-under, I, again, I like looking at the division rivalries because they have the most history to them. You're able to see trends with them, able to look at something that consistently happens. Patriots and Jets, for example, last week, right on the money with that. So I'm going to look at the Bengals versus Steelers. Two of their three first meetings in the last three seasons have been over this point total for this week, which my over and under is at 44 and a half. So I'm going to take the over with the Bengals and Steelers. That first meeting of the season seems to be their shootout, where the second one seems to be more the drag out, knockout type matchup. So for the first matchup, Bengals versus Steelers, they're going to go over 44 and a half. Okay, good pick. Um, I've, I'm, I'm going towards the Seattle-Minnesota game. 
uh, two teams that have been in shootouts uh, the previous week, and and, and then also uh, two teams that have have a high power offense, and I would say weaker defenses. So um, teams that like to air it out and score quickly. So I think this one could really get away from them. This game is going to be in the 30s. I think it's going to be very similar to like that uh, Minnesota-Arizona game we just saw or the Seattle-Tennessee game we saw from the previous week. Um, that's kind of how I see this one going. Um, so I'm going to take the over in the Seattle-Minnesota plus 55.5. I think, like I said, I think you're going to see both teams probably be in the 30s. Uh, I think it's we're going to see a, definitely well over 60 Um total point score there so i'm gonna take the over all right now let's go let's go to our underdog money line pick what dog you got this week as we mentioned before uh, the selection here i didn't feel great about some of them for the money line because of taking chances on them one i was looking at was the bucks and rams but the line keeps moving so i'm going to stay away from that one and i'm going to go with the game you just mentioned the seahawks and vikings two teams that seem to be losing that defensive identity and there's only so many more times that Mike Zimmer can get his heart broken by losing it. So I think this week he breaks through, and I'm going to go with the money line of the Vikings, who, at the time of this recording, were the underdogs going into the games. Who do you have, Nathan? Yeah, I'm going to go. This may be more of a surprise pick, and I'm going to actually go with the Saints beating the the Patriots. I, you know, the Saints week one were all high on Jameis Winston, the Saints, and I think they kind of. Humbled themselves there week two, and uh, the Patriots, I think, were kind of reverse. Um, but the, the Saints still have a very legitimate defense, and um, going up against Mac Jones, you know, Mac, Mac Jones, I mean, he's Patriots have looked good through two two uh, two games and have a you know a positive uh, point differential, but you know, they play the Dolphins and the Jets, and um, he's only got one touchdown pass through the first two games. Um, I think the Saints' defense is going to maybe be the best secondary he faces. We'll see if Marcus Lattimore plays. Um, definitely one of the best front seven he's going to go up against. So um, I think Mac Jones is going to have um, quite the challenge. So I'd like to see how he performs in this situation. Um, and the Saints' run defense is way better than the Dolphins and the Jets. So it's not like they can just use the run as well. So I think Jameis Winston bounces back from just a horrific week two it looks uh find somewhere between a week one and week two Jameis Winston which I think could be good enough for them to get this upset so I'm gonna actually pick the Saints here to beat the Patriots in New England all right man so I think that leaves us with our Sunday night football game Sunday night football game very interesting matchup in the Packers and 49ers two teams I feel like are going or trending in different directions. The Packers looked more like what we were expecting them to see last week, um, be it, albeit they play the Detroit Lions, where the 49ers just keep going. They're kind of following their 2020 mold of having all these injuries come up, especially at the running back position. They just seem to be dropping like flies right now. So looking at this game, it's who, what team are we going to get? And it's been a back and forth in terms of who's won this matchup, but usually the home team wins. However, I'm not feeling confident in the home team in this one. So I'm going to go against the trend of this rivalry. After you look at the last four matchups, it was the home team that won it, except for last season, 
Packers ended up winning, but at that point, Garoppolo was down. They, whoever their backup was last year, they were playing with him. So that I saw that as an outlier, but I'm going to go against the trend of the home team winning, and I'm going to say the Packers win this one. Yeah, I got, I got San Francisco covering the three and a half. Uh, San Francisco, well, let me first start with the Packers. Their defense is horrific. Um, I watched that Monday night game. That first half, Jared Goff looked like an MVP type quarterback. And obviously he's not. I mean, they it's in Green Bay. Detroit gets the ball first after Packers get embarrassed by the Saints. They just let them march down the field and score a touchdown. And the Lions offense is not any good. So I that Packers defense has a lot of holes. So yeah, despite some of the injuries they have, maybe in the running back position, I I think I honestly think San Francisco is nothing to worry about with with the weapons they have on the outside, um, and obviously that their defense too. So, I think as long as they get the pressure on on Green Bay, which I think they will, because San Francisco is going to play their first home game, and they get to they went out east and went two and zero and get to come home and play. I think that's going to bode well with them, and they're going to have rocking fans and um, see the two and zero team really take it to Green Bay, who I. I, I'm still not sold yet on them. Um, I still think this is a, a team that's going to have its ups and downs throughout the season for for more than one reason. And as such with that defense, I'm really, really concerned about that defense in Green Bay. So I got San Francisco covering the three and a half points. I would piggyback on that to say that San Francisco allowed 30, what was it, 33 points in week one against Detroit as well. So something to look at as well. Yes, very. That's a very fair point. Um, I I will say, the majority of those thirty three points came in the last few minutes of that game. Um, I think San Francisco packed their bags and were felt they had the one. And and the Detroit, how resilient that they were, were just like we're still gonna go. And so I think it kind of shocked San Francisco a bit. So I'm, I'm kind of taking that with a grain of salt, um, because through three and a half quarters, I, I did kind of like what I saw from San Francisco in that game. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, they both kind of faced Detroit and it was both Detroit is a, is a very weird team and they're not talented, but they probably play harder than anybody else. And that starts with their coach, Dan Campbell. And so I just think they can, they can just put up points on these spurts on these teams whenever they want, just because they're going to outwork them for that short amount of time. But, um, talent can only hide itself for so long. Exactly. And now it's time for our wild card picks for this week. Over and under went well for me, so I'm going to stick with them. And again, I'm sticking with a division rival, Colts versus Titans. Now, this one comes with a caveat. So if you're feeling confident, it's going to go one way, lock it in now. If you wait, I think the line's going to change. Right now, I have it at over and under at 48 points. If Carson Wentz is not playing, it's easily going to go under, lock it in. If you believe that's the fact, I believe that's going to be the fact. So if I were one to look at this, I would probably lock it in. Maybe not put a tremendous amount into it, but that would be what I would go with. If he does play, it's easily going to go over that 48, but the line I think will move once that's announced. Nathan, what do you have for your wild card? Yeah, I'm doing the over-under as well. I'm nailing my over-under uh, pretty well. So I'm going to I'm gonna stick with the team we were just talking about, Detroit, who in the first two games, they've, they've went over the line. And so... So they played San Francisco and they played Green Bay, you know, and obviously they've allowed 40 points and allowed 35 points, but they can put up points themselves. Obviously we saw them put up 17 in the first half to Green Bay. Um, 
we saw them put up 30, I think 30 or 31 to San Francisco week one. So they're going to play Baltimore at home. And I think Baltimore is going to run all over them and score all over them. Obviously they can because they did it to Kansas city. And so, but I think, like I said, Detroit, they're going to find this half a quarter window where they're just going to look really good and put up some points. So I've got, I'm picking the over here. It's only at a 50. Um, I, I see Baltimore scoring in the thirties and, and I think Detroit is going to have this spurt of like, Oh goodness. They look like a really good team, you know, and, put up like, you know, 10 or 14 points in a couple of possessions and, and just all they need to do is score one more time and and, and we're going to get the over in this game. So I got Baltimore-Detroit plus 50. I think uh, both these teams are doing, are going on their, going over the over-under and now they get to meet each other. So I think it makes sense to pick the over. Excellent points. Now we're going to look at our three topics of trends or things we're seeing. So let's go ahead and start with the college land since their games will be coming up here in the next day or so. And we want to talk about our local team, local just because it's one of the bigger names for our state, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Is this the team we're going to be with, the current version we're seeing, or does this happen to be a rough part of the road, so to speak? Nathan, I'll let you have the floor first. Yeah, so as you mentioned, let's pick three topics from the weekend and let's forecast, you know, maybe a percent chance of what we're seeing now is what we're going to see in the future, you know, a little bit of a weather forecasting here, but you know, obviously sports-wise. My, you know, my panic meter here is is kind of high. I I think we should expect more of the same from Ohio State, and I actually feared this 2 years ago when they hired Ryan Day. I I'm my my philosophy if I was a general manager or a athletic director for college is the head coach is defensive minded and you get the right quarterback. Um, that that's what's kind of how my mindset would be. And you look at all the great college coaches, they're all defensive minded. When I say great college coaches, I'm talking ones that, you know, that are have national championship expectations and actually meet those expectations. Nick Saban, Alabama defensive minded coach. Um, even though Dabo Sweeney was a wide receivers coach, he's got a defensive mindset in that locker room, and he's got one of the greatest defense coordinators in college football on his side. So I think he, even though he's an offensive guy, he he knows this defensive mindset that he needs to have. Uh, Urban Meyer, wherever he's at, defensive-minded guy. And I want to talk about one thing. People love Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley, but he's Lincoln Riley is solely offensive. You know, and every year everyone's talking about, oh, this Oklahoma team. Well, what what do they have to show for in the playoff? A, a whomping every year in the first round by an Alabama or, or an Ohio State or a Clemson because they have no defense. You know, Bob Stoops, right, his predecessor, you know, he, he went to national championships, right, because he was defensive-minded. Lincoln Riley, I don't ever see him getting there because he's too offensive-minded, and I don't, I don't like these offensive-minded coach, and I think Ryan Day and the – the Ohio State Buckeyes may, might be the new Oklahoma Sooners where we could be putting up a lot of points week in and week out, but our defense is susceptible. Susceptible. I don't know the right word there, but they're not looking very good. And I want to point out, I think the first two, he, you know, uh, Ryan Day lost his first regular season game to Oregon. and But he was benefiting from a fantastic talent, regime on the defensive side and offensive side set in place by urban those are all his recruits 
you know, this is year three. And these are Ryan Day recruits now. You know, last two years in the NFL, the defensive rookie of the year, Ohio State. Nick Bosa, Chase Young. We're not going to get anybody drafted in the first round on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so this, he let he let the defense go. He's been too focused on the offense, and this is this is the demise of Ohio State football, in my opinion. I don't even think they're going to win the Big Ten, and I don't think that's an overreaction. But this is this is what you expect under Ryan Day. Don't expect a national championship. Uh, their first two years were their best chances under the talent and the and the recruits from Urban Meyer. We got close last year, but that's that's the closest they're going to get. Uh, this defense is is, is not going to be very good, and, and um, yeah, I'm just I'm not sold on Ryan Day. Well, I am sold that he's not the right guy. So it just all depends on when Ohio State realizes it. What's your take? Yeah, I can't argue too much about of what you said about the demise of the defense. The Tulsa game was very close back and forth until a couple of interceptions happened towards the end of the game where Ohio State could make it look like it was a wider margin than what it was. And the Oregon game, everything was in your favor. Oregon had to travel across to the East Coast. They had to come in your place. They were missing two of their key players, and yet you still lost. It's just the offense has not been clicking what we're used to seeing the last few seasons, and the defense just can't stop anyone. It just everyone's been doing what they want to. Minnesota, I think they benefited from Minnesota just running out of juice in the second half so they could mount their comeback, get a timely turnover that turned into a touchdown. Oregon, they didn't get those kind of breaks. They had to keep climbing out themselves out of the hole. Never happened. And then Tulsa, like I said, late turnovers is what helped Ohio State make the score look quite look like what it is. Now they do benefit from a lighter schedule these next three games. Maybe these next three games they can start getting things in place. But like you said, I'm not feeling confident about their chances of winning the Big Ten at this point. I know we said in our early predictions we thought, but college is always such a spin the wheel and hope it lands in the right spot type situation when you haven't seen these teams play in any preseason games or any games prior to it. But yeah, um, Ohio State at this point needs to pool their resources the best they can, come up with different schemes because what they're running right now is not working defensively. They need to put their guys in different positions to help their team out because right now it's not going to work. Right now, Penn State is going to beat them and win that side of the division and be playing the championship if things continue the way they are. Again, they have three, they have Akron, Rutgers, and Maryland, teams that are often thought of as powerhouses. So maybe that'll be their chance to get things settled and figured out to where they can maybe manage a season. But I'm not feeling too optimistic about it either. I think Ohio State will falter, and you do not see them in the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, yeah, don't don't let these easy games fool you. Michigan looks great. Penn State looks fantastic. Uh, they got a rough road ahead of them. So uh, we'll, we'll see this new, we'll see the real Ohio State team later in the year. So let's jump to the NFL. I think one of the surprising losses we saw this weekend was Sunday night Chiefs versus the Ravens. Um, I I know we've kind of talked about this before, and this is a little bit my concern. What I see here, uh, Nick, and, and I'm going to let you talk a little bit after to, as a reaction of what I say um, as a Eagles fan under and the regime of Andy Reid. So in Philadelphia, I viewed Andy Reid as kind of the same thing as I viewed like with Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley, a very offensive-minded guy that like, kind of let his defense go. It's just, So there's always a really, really good team, um, just not – Great. Just wasn't going to beat the Bill Belichick's and all these defensive-minded coaches. 
Um, and at the time, like maybe like a Bill Parcells or, or whoever, whoever was coaching then that was very defensive minded. Um, and so with the Donovan McNabb years and, you know, they've been the NFC championship games. I think he, maybe he won't went to a Super Bowl and lost, but just have never won it. Now he gets to Kansas City after a few years. He got, the, he got that Super Bowl, but I, to me, I, I don't, I, I'm struggling to think they're going to repeat. I, I had predicted they're going to take a step back last year, which, granted, you know, hardly a step back. Super Bowl winners to Super Bowl losers. That's that's about the 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 most positive step back you can have. I I expect another step back um, again this year, and uh, I predicted them losing the first round of the playoff uh, this year, and um, I still stand by that. Uh, I I think this team is too reliant on their offense, too reliant on Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid, uh, I still think he's still too offensive-minded for my liking. And, uh, I mean, they almost allowed 30 points. They almost allowed the Cleveland Browns to score 30 points in one half. You know, they, they've allowed the Baltimore Ravens just to, just to really keep themselves in that game when they shouldn't have been. And then, obviously, they end up winning it. And they even couldn't stop Lamar Jackson in that Ravens offense, who didn't quite look like that uh, against the Raiders. Um, and I'm curious to see what the Ravens will look like against the Lions this week. To me, this is this is what I expect. I mean, a lot. I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, you know, is this Chiefs team man? Are they going to be okay?" It's like, well, I I think this is who they are now, and a team that's going to struggle defensively, too too centric around Patrick Mahomes. It's just a lot like those Eagles teams that I saw. I really when I compare this to actually is uh, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. You know, Russell Wilson's first two years as starter. Back-to-back Super Bowls, one-one, lost one, and then ever since, you know, there's just been a good team that's maybe one-one playoff game, and that's it. Sadly, that's that's what I see the Chiefs being, maybe slightly better than that, but um, I just see a, a talented quarterback and a talented team with a coach that I don't think quite can get them over the top year in and year out, and so. Um, this is a team that should be AFC Championship, Super Bowl bound every year, but I, I don't think they're going to be, and I think they're going to take a significant step back. So um, that loss to the Baltimore, I think, is big. I think they're going to bounce back this week. They're still a very good team, but I don't think they're built to win Super Bowls, and and that's what concerns me. What's your take? Well, the team currently after week two is the third highest team but also has allowed the third most points. So the problem is very obvious defense, which Andy Reid had in his days in Philadelphia, had a very great defensive coordinator and defense at his time. So the games were a lot closer, but he never had the explosive firepower that he did in Philadelphia. Yes, he did make a Super Bowl after losing four straight NFC championships. But what we saw towards the end of Sunday night football was something that Andy Reid, I thought, had shed since he went to Kansas City, which is being conservative down the stretch, going against your normal play calling. There was no reason in that Sunday night game for you not to go for the win. Get it within the 20, then maybe think about the clock. That's how you've been successful in Kansas City. That's how you've been putting the teams is you you dare them to try to beat your offense. And down that final drive, it was just Patrick Mahomes had I want to say four completions, maybe three, just marched down the field and they made it down to the 30 in no time at all. They took very little time. And so 
for him to just go to a running play was very baffling. It just showed that he started getting a little gun shy towards these down the stretch. And if that's the trend you're going to go with a defense that's allowing as many points as it is, I understand that you're trying to burn that clock down. But also, words of Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. And when you get into the mode of we're just playing to get in field goal range, didn't work for the Vikings. And obviously, in this case, didn't work for the Chiefs. Yeah, you need to put yourself in position for that touchdown, not for the field goal. Now, obviously, once you're in that range, then you can start playing the mathematics game. But conservative play calling will not help Kansas City Chiefs based on what they're currently constructed as. Lots of holes to address. They need to retool a few things. And the I don't NFL isn't known for big trades, so you need to rearrange how your defensive players are going to be on the field and your offensive schemes need to be less predictable. So let's now jump to the final maybe overreaction of week two. I would say two teams that we're both quite shocked that are two and oh. The Denver Broncos, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Carolina Panthers. Realistically, Nick, of these three two and O teams, which one are you forecasting to actually be for real and could see a good playoff push? And which one of these do you think is more of an anomaly and it's fake and we, we, we should see uh, more stormy days ahead for them? Ooh, that's a good one because the three teams you mentioned, the Raiders, Broncos, and Panthers, Raiders started out in a similar fashion in 2020. They went 2-0 and and then just started to falter after that. We've kind of seen this before from the Raiders. They start out very well. They beat teams, teams they weren't expected to beat. Last year was the Saints. This year it was the Ravens came out and beat them. So for me, I'm always hesitant to hit the, I have confidence in you with the Raiders. They're one that I would be a wait and see type thing. Broncos, I love their defense. They're starting to get some injuries there. So once that starts to fall apart, not that Teddy Bridgewater can't be a good quarterback. He's not going to be a great quarterback that propels your team some game plans. They keep the games within them. First week, they benefited from playing the Giants, a team that Daniel Jones does not appear to be the guy for them. He's doing well. He'll give you great stats, but not the guy. And then they play the Jaguars, a team that both of us were not very high on. So, so far, I think they've benefited from a weak schedule. The team that's really surprised me is the Carolina Panthers. Them taking it to the Saints like they did. Not that the Saints are incapable of being embarrassed like that, but the fact that they're making the most of their playmakers. They're using McCaffrey a lot. They're getting it to their wide receivers, and their defensive line was very stout. They were a nightmare for the Saints. And so I guess to answer your question, the Broncos is a team that I would have the most confidence in if they were going to make the playoffs just because of the type of game style they played and the lack of history of them tripping up after starting well. But I don't think any of the three will end up in the playoffs, even though they're 2-0. and oh. What are your thoughts, Nathan? Yeah, um, I like what you said about about the Raiders. This is a, is that a repeat of the same story as we heard, you know, and a lot of times it's easy to forecast that. Uh, I'm still not sold on John Gruden. I'm not sold on the Raiders. I think this is just a weird stretch where they've won two games. Now, if I could easily see them going 2-4 and four in their first six games now and losing four in a row. Everyone has like a two to three, two or three game win streak. Well, not everyone, but near, you know, 75% of the league, you know, you within the season, you're going to have a two to three game win streak no matter what. But it, it can get very deceiving and deceptive when the, that win streak happens right away. 
And um, and I think that's what we're seeing with the Raiders. I think we're, we're just seeing that two to three game win streak that, you know, if you're not in the bottom quarter of the league, you're going to have at some point. Um, I just think the Raiders get it now like they do a lot. They start off a little bit stronger than what we expect them to do. And But come to reality and, and, and maybe not as impressive Raiders team. Plus, they're getting hit with the injury bug a little bit. The Broncos, as you suggested, they, they've had some pretty easy competition uh, the first two weeks. But this is a team that I felt was just a quarterback away from being a great team. Now, I'm not saying Teddy Bridgewater is a great quarterback. But Teddy Bridgewater in New Orleans, under a really great defense, under a good, strong coaching staff, good weapons, good offensive line. He he won five games for uh, in in the absence of Drew Brees a couple years ago, and he did he did very very well. And in Denver, I felt like this is a team that has a good offensive line, has a great defense, that have now has a lot of weapons on the outside. I thought this was a team that man, they just need to get a decent quarterback in there, and I think they can make a playoff push. And so that's what the Broncos have, in my opinion. I just feel like Teddy Bridgewater is what he was with the Saints, as opposed to the Panthers last year, which is a team that was rebuilding. Um, so. Teddy Bridgewater doesn't quite fit with that sort of um, franchise. He's not that good. But with the Broncos, I don't see them really rebuilding. I think they were just missing that quarterback. So I th- I think they're for real. Um, and then the Carolina Panthers, I th- this they're about in the middle for me. Um, I'm not sold on their coach yet in their transition from college to the NFL. I'm, I'm more looking at their week one win against New York. I was not very impressed with that at all. When you go up against the Jets, you don't beat them 19 to 14. Um, so I was a little little hesitant there of um, of that game. And um, I, d- I didn't like how they performed. Now I know they did really well against the Saints. But I don't think that's a Saints team that we're going to typically see. So I think the Broncos are I have the most confidence in and make the playoffs. The Raiders the least confident. And the Panthers are somewhere there in between. So I think the Panthers benefit from maybe a little bit of a weaker NFC in general, especially in the wild card uh, wild card teams. I think the AFC is a little bit more deep, so it'd be hard for the Broncos. But Raiders definitely. Let's not overact there. I I, I think they're going to come back down to earth, and um, we'll, we'll truly see who they really are in the coming weeks. And one one other thing I want to talk about is when I did the sports analysis forecasts or sports, um, I. I did what's called Nate's eight, which was my picks, my eight picks for that weekend, um, both college and NFL. So I'm going to bring that back. And these are my picks, um, like I said, for the weekend. And um, I'll I'll post it to the social media page. I'm not going to announce them right now uh, because I'm going to, they're subject to change because I'll I'll release them Saturday morning before the college football games kick off. Uh, But it's my college and NFL slate of games, um, eight picks. Over-unders and against the spreads, um, a combination of the two. Every week, every Saturday morning, I'm going to post this. So if, you, if you're if you in a state that's listening to this and you can you know, legally sports bet, um, take a look at these and see what you can do. Maybe some of these you agree with and you might use these to apply some of your betting that week. Maybe you disagree. Regardless, do whatever you want. Um, they're here for your assistance. So... Also in this post, I'll be posting my winning percentage of the year in these picks and also my return on investment on bets. So I bet fake money on these games week in and week out. 
and um, so I have a return on investment. And so that percentage along my winning percentage will be posted to kind of show some a little meat, um, a little proof of how well I'm doing. So make sure you check out Nate's eight. Um, it's something it's a result of my algorithm and it's my maybe my top eight most confident picks this weekend. So check that out. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've been the Sports Forecasters. You've been listening to Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez. We'll see you next time.